So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. So are these your notes? These, <laughs> are these your notes about what we're going to say? What does I it say? It would be a good. <laughs> I didn't even get to idea. Okay. Maybe I can just ask you the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going well. It's going really well. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Emma. And today we are speaking to Melissa Welliver, Debbie Nolivella. Okay, I'll say that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and I'm Emma, and today we are speaking to Melissa Welliver, debut novelist of The Undying Tower. Welcome, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm great, Hi. thanks. How are you? Good, not bad. Oh, we're great. Not we're great. Bad. We're excited to talk about your book, The Undying Tower, mm-hmm. which I have got here as set in a dystopian England where a small amount of the population, the undying, have stopped ageing. And we, the reader, follow Sadie, a 16-year-old who's been taken away from her ailing father to go and live in the undying tower. That's what it, a great yeah. Setup. Ooh, yeah, I that, love, that's, I that's love... a great way to set it up. I, that's better than Thank I could you. have done. Thank goodness. You'd never ask a writer to sum up their book. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I love speculative fiction. Um this kind you know you're bringing in concepts of immortality and some kind of class divide here uh tell us about the inspiration for this yeah um so i started writing this um around about 2016 when we started talking about the dreaded brexit um (laughs) amazing to think it's dragged on this long but it has feels like forever ago just a reminder to everyone Uh, (laughs) 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 absolutely and uh essentially when i started writing this it was um shortly after um, a friend of mine caroline passed away um and i really started to think about she was very much a social activist um and she would have just hated brexit you know absolutely Mm. hated brexit and i also started to think about that isolationism in relation to mortality um and what it would mean especially if you were a young person facing a quite dark future but knowing that that could go on forever Mm -hmm. um so the people in the book who are undying they don't age past around about 25 so they're sort of staring into this bleak future uh knowing it could go on for a very long time so uh, it's a it's a comedy as you can tell (laughs) well i mean it must have taken on even more kind of meaning with the lockdown and everything in terms of the isolation aspect of it. And in some ways, the world's never seemed as dystopian as it is now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I found it's funny, isn't it? When you log on something like Netflix and all you can see is that sort of the top trending are either wedding crashes and <laughs> the Miley Cyrus movies or it's, you know, contagion and divergent. And yeah. I feel like people yeah. are sort of massively escaping to either something from the before times or something that there's got to be something worse than this, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I, I true. Yeah, I think it's really taken on a new meaning now. And dystopian fiction's on the up, actually. I've definitely noticed things coming up. Mm. Everything, I feel like a, where the way the industry works is like everything's on the up and on the down at the same time always. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, there's always some dead genre that isn't really dead until someone yeah, comes along. Exactly. And, yeah, Yeah, like fantasy's dead and then Game of Thrones comes out and you're like, oh, well, I guess it's not dead then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Nothing's ever dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so depressing. <laughs> So going back to the inception for this book, mm-hmm. uh, something that a lot of people I think are often surprised by, both sort of people involved in the in, who are trying to get involved in the industry as well as outside, is just how slow this whole process mm. can take. Right. Um, 
when did you start writing this novel and 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 when was it sort of when did it, when did the wheels start turning to get it into the process of being published yeah absolutely so um i did a creative writing masters i'm one of those and uh, sort of got <laughs> off the of back them. of that and actually <laughs> one of those bad people and uh, came out the back of that and just did not want to write um i'd spent you know a whole year focusing on writing um so i didn't write actually for a couple of years and this is the first book um i sort of gave a go like I say, the impetus, uh, my very good friend was also a great writer. And I know she'd uh, kick my ass if I didn't actually (laughs) get it into gear and start writing the book that we had talked about when I met her on my master's. So um, certainly it was something that I started writing probably yeah around 2016. And then um, I did a couple of online courses and thought, that's it. I know exactly what to do now. I know who to apply to. I know how to get an agent. Can't wait. And so I started sending off those queries and uh, crickets for the next year, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't get too much. Got a couple of full requests, as they're called, where people called in the whole manuscript. And I started planning what I was going to wear to the red carpet when <laughs> I made a film of my book. Uh, <laughs> nothing really happened, which is really common in writing. And a year feels like a long time, but yeah. most agents take sort of you're looking at 12 weeks is fairly average for them to turn around three chapters of your precious book that you've poured your heart into. Um, So I actually wrote another book um, and that was the one I actually signed with my agent, um, which is not going to be my debut. Yeah. Ah. Wait, so, so you wrote this book first, Mm -hmm. then signed with a second book, but are are actually publishing this book. Yes. (laughs) After this one was rejected by all the agents. Yes. So this one um, got lots of interest. It's got, it's, it's a great hook. I love this book. Um, but yes, uh, never got any further than that. So I ended up writing another book. Um, I've got a wonderful writing mentor in uh, Jeanette Winterson. Um, I studied okay. under her and she's amazing with her students and keeps in touch. She encouraged me, keep writing, find something fun to write, maybe change it up. So I wrote sort of a, a middle grade time travel novel and sent that out on some pitch competitions on Twitter and got some buzz and then ended up sort of like querying with that and ended up signing with um, Peter's Fraser and Dunlop, who I'm still with, but with a different, very lovely agent called Tessa David, who uh, sent that out on submission, uh, which is where you send it out to different publishers. And uh, that died on submission after probably 10, 12 months of just sending it out to publishers, waiting to hear back. And it just takes such a long time to hear back. And, you know, it just feels pretty crushing. Um, And Mm. then at that point, I think we realized that I wanted to move back into darker stuff, into YA. That's where my heart was. So um, we actually just had a frank chat and I found my now agent, Lucy Irvine, um, at the same agency. And I sort of moved across. No animosity. It always sounds like a really... Gosh, yeah. what happened? You've had two agents. Must, yeah, yeah, there was a huge cat fight and they were fighting <laughs> over me. That's not what happened. It's all very, very amicable. Um, so yeah, so then this is the book we went out with. Um, I went out with with Lucy. Okay. Oh, well, brilliant. And you so you were submitting for quite a long time with that first book, and then you, you eventually decided to submit with the second book. And you talked about and you briefly touched on you entered a few uh, competitions mm-hmm. and i know that you've been uh listed for uh several competitions bath mislexia hachette uh mm-hmm. was so was that with the second book the one that you ended up being signed with or um, was that with the first book funnily enough it was still with this book coming out this first book right. that okay. i wrote yeah that that was what always sort of kept me pushing to try and get it 
signed by an agency and kept me mm. pushing for so long. So I think when it's your first book and you've got no experience at all, like I didn't, of um, querying and talking to agents and booking in at, well, not that you can do this at the minute, although there's great stuff online, but booking in to meet agents at shows yeah. and you just have no idea and you just think it's going to happen so quickly. And when it doesn't, you think, well, it must be rubbish because obviously if it wasn't, I would be one of those people you read around the papers. I have a 24 hour auction. Um, so yeah, entering yeah. competitions has been a great way to meet people and get more interesting your book and learn from other people what they might think about your book and if you do get listed it's a great boost to know you know you are on the right track maybe you've just been unlucky um yeah. so yeah i've listed a few times um with the undying tower which is great and gives me a lot of confidence going into publication mm. but uh before that i think i did with the book that i signed with my agent i did list once um that was the hachette li listing Right. Um, but apart from that, um, not too much on that book, actually, which is funny because that is the one that hooked my agent in the original sense. So, Had she read uh, this one, The Undying Tower? My first agent. The Yes, the one that yes. signed you off the second book. Yes. So what happened was um, the first book went out and lots of excitement and lots of near misses and um, unfortunately was turned down by lots of publishers and we had to make the difficult decision, do you want to pull this and try something else or do you want to go to those smaller, brilliant indie publishers which might not be able to have such a big splash but would be able to put your book out? Mm. And uh, it was my first time doing it. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I followed the advice of my agent and I said, look, let's have a look. Let's have, let's pull back. Let's have a think what we want to do. So I sent her this manuscript said, look, I've got this book. And she wrote it a couple of years ago now. So at this point we're in probably early 2018 after a year on sub. I said, look, yeah. I, you know, I wrote a couple of years ago. It's kind of a book of my heart. It's dedicated to my friend and she read it and she did love it. But that was the moment where we realized our paths were going to diverge um because she'd signed me on this middle grade book that was all about fun and adventure and this one's very much a more serious thematic book that right. was when we sort yeah. of decided to move me across to a different agent and it was a good decision really good business decision so it's done really peacefully as well like what you said it was you know there's no animosity or anything which is nice <laughs> no no I wouldn't give you their names if there was animosity I know imagine <laughs> imagine um so do you think um you've obviously not only worked in fiction uh you've done reviews for magazines like heavily how did you find your way into doing that and, and what did you review so um first year after I left uni and I just could not face looking at writing and felt a little bit in a slump. Um, I actually ended up working for my dad. Uh, I think yeah. a lot of people oh. probably end up doing stuff like that, you know, move back home, work for my yeah. dad. Um, my dad does programming, he does payroll. Um, so it wasn't the most exciting job, nothing to do with writing. Um, so mm. I wanted to sort of keep um, hand in, and I've always been really interested in technology, writing these spreadsheets, also a bit of programming involved. So I ended up doing games journalism, um, always played a lot okay. of games with my friends online and always been into that kind of stuff. So yeah, I ended up do, writing for quite a few different magazines. Um, it's one called Gamer Attitude and one called Tapscape. I think I'm probably still around somewhere if people Google me, my old reviews. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was brilliant. I got sent all these brilliant games and got you know paid to write these reviews and it was awesome. Um, it's not exactly money that... Uh, hold up a mortgage right <laughs> yeah but uh no it was great fun yeah I loved it do you think um you know writing for reviews for magazine helped you hone a certain writing technique or obviously do you think you had that anyway from That's previously writing 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think it definitely helps, um, first of all, with very quick feedback. So that that feedback that you get maybe from a critique partner, if they're your friend, they mm-hmm. might give you very gently and maybe try this or do this. I mean, when you're on a deadline, again, deadlines, that's another thing it's very helpful for. You know, the editor at the magazine is going to turn around and say, okay, this is great, but actually there's only 200 words for it now, not a thousand like I told you. And it needs to be done in two hours and you just have to deal with it. Um, so it's really good for, I think, harsh, quick critique and also deadlines, definitely. Um, and just being more concise, which is quite funny because I can hear myself waffling during this interview. And I am a bit of a waffler, <laughs> if, it's, if I'm totally honest, but uh, it's very good for trying to keep things concise. So whilst that's not always the best way in fiction, it, there's always a benefit to being more concise with your ideas. How sure. have you found like writing through a pandemic as well? Do you think, have you like sort of, do you sit down and write for hours now because you feel like you've got a little bit more time or you're in sort of a, a quieter space or do you, are you, is that not how you tackle writing? Yeah, it's funny, actually. Um, I found the pandemic to be, uh, yeah, the lockdowns have definitely been two halves. I think a lot of people have felt that way. Mm-hmm. This last one, I've been really struggling to read, really struggling to write, to be honest, really struggling to even watch TV and concentrate on a fictional storyline. Yeah. Whereas the <laughs> yeah. first lockdown, I actually, <laughs> uh, first lockdown, I very much buckled down and I actually wrote a book um, in the first lockdown which is crazy to think about now yeah um I just sort of a lot of my work dried up I'm still working this family business a little bit do some freelance editing and a lot of work just dried up I also used to teach a lot of creative writing classes and obviously they all stopped and it was back when we really didn't have any contingency and no one knew what was going on so I just thought well this when am I going to have this much time again you know, I'm skinned, yeah. but no t- I've got loads of time. I'm not going anywhere. No one's going to call me and say they want to do something. So, yeah, I got another book written um, and yeah, edited. So and it, I think I started writing. I've sort of plotted it um, a few months earlier because I was. it was in my head and then got it written. And, yeah, it's crazy. I got it probably written between June and September. Wow. Very impressive. Yeah, so it's been pretty productive in some ways. But then again, since then, must admit, I've not written anything new oh, <laughs> since right. then okay. yeah it's, it's it's funny it's uh it's yeah. I guess it's just different the second second and third lockdowns yeah. felt different yeah there's like different like phases isn't there and then um, you mentioned Melissa that you um do some work in freelance editing do you feel like that has helped mm. you through your own editing process oh my gosh it's it- if any, the best thing you can do when critiquing your own stuff is critique someone else's, even if it's just a critique partner, even if it's not professional, you just look at, it's amazing the stuff you see in other people's writing that either you realize you do as well, which is always embarrassing. If I'm telling someone <laughs> off for using too many adverbs and then they read mine and there's an adverb over the lines, that happens all the time. Um, and also just having that critical eye and realizing what would the reader want? Because sometimes when we're writers, we forget that also we're readers and we're we're appealing to a reader yeah Um, Yeah. so I think definitely when you're editing someone else's work you're editing as a reader and telling Mm. them you know this isn't that interesting to me bring this forward love this character not sure about this one and it's great to get that perspective and it makes you think about your own work in the same way you've got to have two hats on Mm. yeah yeah do you work with uh critique partners do you have like a, a group of people that you bounce your work around with because it's yeah. always easier to, as you say, it's much easier to to see the the kind of hiccups in other people's work than in your own. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really hard to see the wood for the trees sometimes. Yeah, I've had yeah. I've been really lucky actually um, to have a local writing group, which again we're meeting on Zoom at the minute anyway, so they might as well be in China. But uh, <laughs> we are there is a local group out where I am, which is really nice that I met. Um, we were all doing a, an editing course, um, just sort of a couple of weeks editing course at the local art gallery and sort of said we'd carry on. And it's just mm. turned into this lovely little group where we swap, um, you know, a chapter, say, every couple of months or something or a That's couple nice. of people every month. Yeah, it's lovely. And I've also met um, another great group out in Manchester, actually, doing another little mini course a couple of summers ago. So, yeah, I'm actually really lucky to have a couple of critique groups. Um, and, yeah, definitely their input is in this book they have to go into the acknowledgements <laughs> like yeah they, they've pointed oh, yeah. out stuff that i would never have seen so yeah 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 yeah. and what and uh this is what i was interested in is so you are a freelance editor uh, mm-hmm. in your own right what was it like for you working with a editor at a publishing house yeah so um i've been Did editing you butt heads at all yeah not yet thank goodness uh, <laughs> but I'm sure something probably will come up I, I mean I've got a great relationship with the editing house so when I'm <laughs> editing myself obviously usually I've got clients that um, perhaps have never sent me anything before so I really have to balance knowing uh, when I'm in my critique group and I know people really well I know that this person appreciates a really harsh critique and this person appreciates a softer touch and so I right, can do yeah. that whereas when I've obviously got clients I may have never really spoke to them before or never looked at their work before and that becomes tough i've got to really balance the good with the bad yeah that's definitely something with some critique groups like they often fall apart early because people don't get a good sense of each other yeah the longer you're with one group the stronger it gets and the better i think all the the advice gets yeah because you you start to know it's not just about like what kind of criticism everyone likes it's more like for you you get to see oh i know that this person is really good at this aspect that I'm weak at and this person is really good at this bit and you can because the the important thing with critique is to remember that a lot of it is it's opinions and Mm -hmm. you need to know when to say but I actually like that and I think that's part of me and I'm going to keep that bit in and you know knowing which parts to keep and which parts to to lose I guess Mm. yeah I yeah massively agree I think um and especially when you've been in those groups for a long time and then perhaps someone else in the same area view or something says, oh, do you have a critique group? Do you know if it's open to new members? But if you know each other really well, it's terrible. It can sound really clicky, but yeah. it's yeah. really tough to bring someone else in when you're not sure what they're writing and how they're going to react to other people in the group and what they're writing. It becomes a bit of a family, really. Yeah, um, it's quite 100%. personal sharing your writing with someone. So I guess that's the main difference with sort of that's clients and then writing groups and then moving on to my professional editor I've been really unlucky in that I signed um, a contract during lockdown so I've never met my editor in real life if you like Uh, only over zoom and usually I'm I'm surprised my internet's lasted this long to be honest usually my internet's (laughs) so dodgy so it's usually just me with a frozen face and somebody eventually telling me I'm frozen so that's not been the easiest way to get to know your editor but um Peyton Uh, Stableford over at Agora Books, who is my editor. She is amazing. And I just feel like it's so important when you're trying to get your book out there. If you've got a good agent, they'll know which editors you'll work well with. And it's like, I feel like I've been set up on a blind date by my agent with Peyton and we just we just match you know it's like married oh, at first sight great. the experts have matched us and we match really well um so we, we really vibe actually um a lot of so the way she sends back her comments in case anybody's interested is on a word document she'll put lots and lots of tracked comments 
and uh, she'll ask me questions. So even if she changes just a couple of words, she'll pop a comment and say, I thought this would be better capitalized. What do you think? And then I can reply to the comment. We can sort of have a little. The other day I spent about two hours on page one. I've just got back my line edits. Spent about two hours on page one deciding whether to capitalize something and having an (laughs) argument with myself in the comments box to Peyton that she can't even see until I send back. Like, I was thinking this, but now you mentioned it. Maybe it could be this. What do you think of this? But I might not use it. What do you think? Uh, we've all been there. I, yeah. know, I think it's good to know that it's a conversation, though, for like, obviously, for the listeners, that it's not just something that you, you, you know, write something that you're really passionate about, you send it off, and then mm. that's it. And it's there for someone to scrutinize and send back and be like, this is how you need to write it now. It's kind of like a bit of a yeah. conversation rather than in a backwards and forwards. Um, yeah, which sounds like is what happened with with your editing process anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I can't speak for everyone, but I would certainly, now I've done this for my debut, I would not want to say if I signed with a different publisher on a different book, this is the sort of relationship I would be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's having it's having the conversation, but also knowing it's difficult. They sort of, if you like, the expert, but also you're the expert because it's your book. Yeah. So you're kind of two experts sometimes. And there's always probably going to be some clash or something that we don't agree on. But the nice thing is because it's a conversation, it feels like we can find a third way. And usually, I found this with my, my agents, very editorial. Usually if she disagreed with something and I disagreed with her solution, we actually found something better than what I'd originally come up with or she'd come up with mm-hmm. by going a third way and having to work together. Sometimes those roadblocks can provide actually more interesting writing yeah 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 that's a really good uh, tip and speaking of working with people you have been you mentioned that you have a mentor who mm. you've been close with for a while and you also are a mentor yourself at right mentor is that correct yes that's right yeah i'm doing my fourth year this summer fourth year so wow good. so how many mentees do you have <laughs> so i've uh, a lot of the mentors did take on multiple mentees other years I've taken on one per year I'm quite specific with my criteria I love my speculative fiction and a lot of people aren't writing it right now and UKYA is a smaller market which means that writers aren't submitting as much of it so I do usually just take on one mentee per year so I've taken on three so far and I've had um so one time with agents I had one win the right mental um children's novel award so I'd like yeah, to amazing. think I've been helpful <laughs> but also they were just amazing but like, I I definitely I you know I picked out the winners I knew <laughs> oh, okay. I knew how to make my job easy <laughs> <laughs> and do you find that you, you were you were saying earlier how when you critique someone else's work or when you edit someone else's work you you're like personally gain so much like you learn so much by seeing the mistakes in other people's work do you Mm -hmm. find that being a mentor in that same way do you do you get a lot back yourself yeah so much I think what's really nice about when you're mentoring so the way that right mentor works is you work with somebody all summer and then there's sort of a showcase at the end with agents to kind of show off your first page and have a little bit of a celebration what I really like about it is the back and forth that you were saying building that relationship having that conversation learning Mm -hmm. about that person learning about their inspiration and what they've put into that book you know I work as a judge on the right mentor award um, and we're reading at the minute ready for the long list announcement soon and it's really uh, tricky because it's anonymous. So yeah. I'm reading stuff sometimes. And I want to know what those deeper meanings are behind some <laughs> parts. Like, what, who is this person that wrote this book? Why did they write it? Like, I want to know more about them, which obviously yeah. is a sign of a great book. But mm-hmm. what's nice with uh, Right Mentor is you can ask those questions. You can, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think, hopefully my mentees agree with me, that we're all, <laughs> we've all been friends after uh, <laughs> doing it. We still chat on Twitter and stuff. So 
um, yeah, it's really it's a really formative experience. I think mental mentee. Well, that's great, and it's it's great to you know as, as a right mentor is just a great platform for kind of giving back uh, in in many ways, and I think as as it sounds from what you've said, mutually beneficial to 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 both parties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think it's like about obviously like passing on advice isn't it and sharing advice and and speaking about advice would you have um if you had a a golden nugget of advice to give to yourself during maybe the most difficult point of your process whatever that may be what would Mm -hmm. you have have said to you (laughs) I think definitely rejection is a good thing I think when I discovered um a couple of years ago the whole I don't know if um anybody listening might know about this but um the 100 rejections hashtag on twitter and instagram which is where you aim to get 100 rejections in a year um and essentially (laughs) what it does is it yeah (laughs) i know yeah we just i told you i'm just such a happy-go-lucky person as you can tell all my writing um yeah (laughs) so you essentially apply to so many things that every time you get a rejection you kind of cheer and you go and find your writing pals your squad and you say yes I got a rejection from I didn't make it onto the bath long list and everyone goes yeah go out and do it again yeah will um but the, the brilliant thing is it, it works and annoyingly as it is um writing is a numbers game uh it's yeah. so competitive it's so much of it is luck and so much mm. of it's perseverance and some people will get lucky and you know the number will come up the very first time they apply something and they'll just get there and other people you know they're waiting and waiting um so I think yeah definitely I would say rejection is a good thing it also does teach you about not maybe planning your entire Pinterest board of your outfit for the Leicester Square (laughs) premiere before you actually you know get a book even into an agent's hands so uh, yeah I think rejection is a good thing Pinterest is essential though sometimes I guess. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> why not? What if it does happen? Why not? Exactly. <laughs> Just do that as well. That's great advice. Um uh, and I think something, you know, it, it's a lot of the time it's hard to we get a lot of people on giving advice and sometimes that advice seems odd like a lot of people when you say oh you need to do the the vomit draft as people call it where it's like just write don't edit yourself you know Mm. and that doesn't work for everyone but Mm. I think it's definitely worth trying so if you so whoever (laughs) was listening if you haven't tried to get 100 rejections in a year now's the year 2021's your year now is the time (laughs) start racking those rejections rejections. nothing can be worse than last year guys come on (laughs) exactly 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 it's like it's a good challenge and i think that brings us roundly onto our final question (gasps) yes which is Mm -hmm. melissa if you were marooned on a desert island with naught but a single book <laughs> which book would you take do you know i've thought about these questions before and i've thought do you go with a clever answer like i would take building a raft for dummies i would take <laughs> how to hunt dumping or do you go for a literary answer i would take lord of the flies i mean i should go on brand i'm sure uh my pr people over at agora books say go on brand pick oryx and crate because they're stranded somewhere it's dystopian you know but if i'm being honest when i thought about it the thing i would actually want most because i'm not somebody that rereads books i'm not mm. I, i'm not somebody that Same. enjoys the process of rereading yeah i think i would take the argos catalogue <laughs> 
love this answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Argos catalogue. I just thought, think of all the things I would miss looking at, you know? I would just be looking at those beautiful blue waters every day and palm trees and everything. I thought, you know, I'd probably miss, I want something with pictures. Yeah, you could look at microwaves. Yeah, just toys. think about all those ta- all those good times and civilization, you know. Yeah, Why well, don't That's I have a, a toasty machine? It. Oh. It's like, it's a great answer. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, One day. There's a... There's a plethora oh of different things in an Argos catalogue, and that's that's the thing. The index is being exactly, one of them, yeah. which it's great. Yeah, the, the, the little people that are modelling all the strange things. It's just be, yeah, just, I need pictures. I'll be on my own. You know, I'm lonely. That's that is answer. great. Oh, thank you Fantastic. so much, um, Melissa. Thank you for this joining us. It's been lovely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, best of luck with your writing moving forward. We can't wait to hopefully meet you in person one day. Yes, that would be great. On the red carpet with the dressing plan. I know, yeah. Everyone go to my Pinterest. We can all match. Great. Absolutely. To keep up with everything that Melissa is doing, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Meliva. And to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast or on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK. Thanks so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode.